Put that in the vault. Why should you visit TheChairShot.com? TheChairShot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. It's Pastro Down. You straight punk bitch! I mean, you're just gonna replace me. Shut up! Rhythm Morales. The biggest slut in the Western Hemisphere! Why do I have to have a buzzer? You are now and will forever be an asshole. Because it's my show. You guys know how to party. You're welcome. Welcome to Take Two. Of this week's edition of Chair Shot Radio. We just started. We're starting a little bit later now because a couple little technical issues here and there, but we are in the take two of Chair Shot Radio. My name is Greg DeMarco. You can find me in all of your forms of social media at Chair Shot Greg. That's Facebook, that's Twitter, that's Instagram. You can you can email me, Greg DeMarco with the chairshot.com. You can subscribe to my email newsletter. You know what? Head on over to thechairshot.com forward slash Greg DeMarco. Miranda, write that down for your show. It's brand new. Thechairshot.com forward slash Greg DeMarco. Pick up all of my stuff in one location. Just made it today for all of you. Today, by the way, Tuesday, April 7th, 2020. Coronavirus quarantine week four. We're going to get into my coronavirus story here in a moment. But this show, Chairshot Radio, is brought to you by the Chairshot Radio Network in conjunction with thechairshot.com. Always use your head. Head on over to thechairshot.com for all your latest wrestling reviews, opinions, and analysis done with the attitude you've come to know and love. That is thechairshot.com. Always use your head. You can also hear this show on your fine podcast distribution platforms like iTunes, like iHeart, like Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, you name it, we got it. 
hit the subscribe button, hit the share button, tell your friends about it. We also have, have distribution partners that, that we're going to be referring to them as moving forward. Now, one of the things that we're, we're focusing on at the Chair Shot is we're creating content and then we're distributing it. And we have a new distribution partner. You guys don't even know about this. We have a brand new distribution partner. So, of course, you can hear the shows and read the content over at eWrestlingNews.com. Now, you can also hear the shows and, and read some of the content over at Raja.com. Raja used to be Raja WWF back in the day. Now it's Raja.com. Uh, one of the 10 largest wrestling sites out there will now be carrying content from myself as well as Chair Shot Radio, the Hashtag Miranda Show, and Pot is War over at Raja.com. So all of it is brought to you by us here at TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. But excited to distribute our content all over the place for you to enjoy. Now, we are in coronavirus week four. We're going to talk about that in a moment. But first, let me bring in some two people that you know and love probably more than you know and love me. Because as we've established last week and all the weeks in the past, I'm an asshole. For starters, let's talk about the wrestling realist himself. That's Patrick O'Dowd. You can follow him on your forms of, well, really on Twitter, at the wrestling, or not at the wrestling realist, just at wrestling realist. That's W R E S T L N G R E A L I S T. There's no I in wrestling, but there is one in realist, and there is one in Patrick for the wrestling realist, Patrick O'Dowd. F A B U L O U S. Well, that was mean. It's just a soundbite, man. Just... Yeah, rather. Johnny, like... idiot face. That I fixed again. Two weeks ago, it was bad. Last week, it was good, but I didn't think it was loud enough, so now I made it louder. Johnny, idiot face. This is the most well, painstaking. Well, well done for you. Well done. You're Bully welcome. for you, sir. Do what I can. Do what I can for you, Patrick O'Dowd. I also do what I can for somebody else, and that is, of course. The, the newest member of the program, even though it's been a year and a half, but she's still the newest member of the program. You can find her on your forms of social media, except for Twitter, because she don't need Twitter feed. She doesn't need a Twitter feed. She is a Twitter feed. She is at the hashtag Miranda on Facebook and Instagram. Ring announcer to the stars, the queen of soft style, Miranda Morales. I am a random assortment of thoughts and ideas. I'm the living, you know, uh, connotation of a Twitter feed. So why would I need a Twitter? You absolutely. I am a Twitter. You you don't need a Twitter. You are a Twitter. So it is April 7th, and I always, you know, give those dates, especially right now for context. This past week, uh, the newest change in the world of coronavirus is that the state of Arizona, they, they put us on lockdown, of course, and we made fun of that lockdown last week and everything that was still open. And then on Friday, they announced during the afternoon that they were closing the barbershops, the salons, the massage parlors, the nail, whatever it's called. All that stuff was going to be closed, effective 5 p.m. on Saturday. And, of course, me, in, in you know, all my, my egotistical vanity, so rushed to the computer to book haircut appointment. 
for myself, for my son. We've been putting off, he hates getting his haircuts. So we've been putting that off, right? But now knowing that we had a month to go, had to rush, do the haircut appointment. And it was weird. When you walk into the place, into the barbershop that we went to, it was like there was no such thing as the coronavirus. Like everybody was sitting next to each other when you were getting your haircut. There were no gloves, no masks, no anything. We were chatting it up, having a great time. Dudes that hadn't seen each other in forever were shaking hands. Like it was literally, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I, I don't care what anybody wants to say. I was in heaven for a brief period of time. It was a lot of fun. Guy was like, what do you want? And I was like, look, you guys are going to be closed for at least a month. You go as short as you can and make it still look good. And he was like, got you. And that's what we did. And, and it was just, you know, nice little slice of humanity for for the last time as, as coronavirus continues. COVID-19 continues. And, uh, yeah, who knows? Who knows how much longer we have. But... Uh, we did have WrestleMania. And that's what we're going to be talking about on today's show. So before we do that, before we talk about some WrestleMania, let's talk about a few other things that, you know, this way we don't we don't leave them out. Now, I'm going to reverse the order this week. First, I'm going to talk about, you know, we watch WrestleMania on the WWE Network, and there's lots of different networks out there where you can get your wrestling on, including our good friends over at powerslam.tv. Now head on over there and we'll get you a free month by using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. I'm going to tell you about that on the back end. But first, spend the next 42 seconds listening to this. Are you looking for the newest and hottest in the world of pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 6,000 hours of the best events from over 150 of your favorite promotions from 20 different countries around the globe. Brands like Progress Wrestling, Evolve Wrestling, Combat Zone, Defy, PCW Ultra, PWX, Over the Top, Shine, and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only five. $5.99 per month. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. Only $5.99 per month, over 150 of your favorite wrestling promotions and Combat Zone Wrestling. Head on over to powerslam.tv. You go there, you get a free week. You can try it out for a free week or throw in that promo code chair shot. Get yourself a free month. Check it out. And then if you continue and stick it out after that, it's only six bucks a month. I mean, you can't do any better than that. You know, there are very few deals out there cheaper than the WWE Network at only $9.99. Powerslam.tv is one of them. So head on out there. Powerslam.tv, promo code ChairShot. That's Powerslam.tv, promo code ChairShot. And look, if you're going to sit in front of your computer and you're going to watch wrestling, you might as well look right doing it. Miranda, tell them how they can look right doing it. Well... Listeners, you can go to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot to get your very own, your very own, a shirt you don't got to share with anyone unless you want to, which is, you know, your preference you can, but you can get your very own chair shot t-shirt today. There you can find over 25 different varieties of chair shot t-shirts, lots of different designs, lots of different colors, and of course, styles. And yes, yes, uh, in my namesake, in the patron saint of soft style, uh, you can go and get your very own soft style t-shirt at prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot. You know, all the cheap t-shirts there are $19.99, but if you want to spend a few extra dollars, you can get a soft style t-shirt, but there you can find, of course, one of my favorites, the OG chair shot shirt, chair shot worldwide, uh, the Corona chair shot shirt, and 
of course, my shirt, the queen of soft style, uh, prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot. Go there now. The little secret, I mean, it's not a secret if you go to the website, but they got a sale, sale starting on Thursday, April 9th, 20% Ooh. off. I don't know how long it lasts, but yeah, 20% off all of your merchandise, including your chair shot merchandise over at prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot. Quick reminder, I dropped it at the beginning of the show. Go to thechairshot.com forward slash Greg DeMarco. All of your information on me. And I mentioned, I don't know if I mentioned it in the in the version of the show that's in the vault or not, but I do have a subscription newsletter. It's free. You don't pay a thing. Anything I write, you get up front. No ads, no none of that. You get it before. It shows up on any other websites. And it's really cool. People can just reply to the email where they receive it. I get emails back all the time with comments on the article. It's fun. It's fun. It's different. And it's something that I really enjoyed. And, and just like anything, when you work at it, it's starting to blow up. And um, a lot of good content there starting this week. I got some WrestleMania reviews. I wrote what some people thought was a little controversial yesterday about my thoughts on, on wrestling right now and, and letting it continue. So uh, definitely encourage you guys to check that out. And Patrick O'Dowd, you have, I don't know if we call it a monumental episode of Bandwagon Nerds this week, but definitely a special <laughs> edition of Bandwagon Nerds this week. Tell the people who graced you guys with his presence this week. It's not oh, Rick. What a- it's not Rick. I just want to point out, it's definitely not Rick. Yeah, I don't know the Rick's part of the show anymore. No, the one and only Kenny Killa came on the show um, on an overstuffed edition of Bandwagon Nerds. We had five people on the panel, and we talked top ten arcade games of all time Ooh. as we jump into our video game project. Next five weeks, video games. There you go. You had five people on the panel and ten video games of talking. Add it all together. Still not as many matches as we saw at WrestleMania 36. That's right. Not only did I play it at the beginning of the at the beginning of the show, it's now a soundbite. This is such good shit. We will have it forever. This is such good shit. And it's just gonna just gonna live on and in for me. So we're talking WrestleMania, and look, we, we don't have time to cover all 18 matches. We don't have time to cover 16 matches on the quote-unquote main card. We just don't. So we're going to talk. We're gonna hit the highlights. I sent Patrick and Miranda the, the major points we're going to talk about. I do want to leave time for them in case there's anything that we leave out that they really want to talk about, so we're going to do that as well. And really just get into WrestleMania in, in general and kind of wrap that thing up before we move forward. Um I have a surprise for you guys for what I want to do next week. I haven't told you about it yet, but I'll tell you about it before the end of the show. And I'll give you a week's notice because it requires not a ton of prep in terms of something you got to watch, but you're definitely going to want to jot down some thoughts. So we'll get there as well. WrestleMania 36 did take place this weekend, Saturday night, Sunday night. Uh, first broadcast was three hours. Second one was just shy of three and a half hours. We had an opportunity to watch it, absorb it, love it, hate it, everything. Overall impressions of WrestleMania 36, without getting too deep into the into the details, as we're going to go into those as well. Patrick O'Dowd, what was your overall impression of WrestleMania 36? Uh, I thought they did really well, given the circumstances and what they were doing. 
I loved the two nights. Uh, I thought that was the right call. And I guess the, uh, the other thing is that I think that, and we'll probably do this as a bow on it, but I think we, we liked this more because of the circumstances that we're in. I don't know how well this show will age, but I think it'll always have a special place. Miranda, what about your overall impressions? I also enjoyed the show, but, and I don't know if this is actually a negative or a positive, but I at times forgot that this was WrestleMania. Um, but I think that was okay because then I was able to let go of my expectations of the night and just enjoy the moment, enjoy whatever match wasn't going on or, or whatever was happening. Um, and I think that um, as much as it is, you know, the, the grandest age of them all, you know, where, where um, you know, anything can happen, I think it also was important that I kind of just set my expect, you know, was realistic in my expectations and um, not worry so much about this idea of grandeur and, and bigness and just, you know, enjoy watching a wrestling show. And for, for what it was, it was really enjoyable. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it definitely did kind of lose that, you know, big spectacle WrestleMania feel for the most part. There were a couple of elements that we'll talk about where they were able to get it back. Um, overall, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought they did a bang up job for what they had to work with. It sucks that when we talk about WrestleMania, we have to talk about the circumstance for what we had to work with and all of that, because that's not what WrestleMania should be. But that's the world we're in right now, right? We can't change the world that we're in right now, at least not on a global scale. And, and so we have to work with what we have. Um, Elements I enjoyed, it, it, I did struggle at times with WrestleMania because of the engagement level. Um, I kind of rate matches based upon how well they kept me engaged in the match, and we'll get into some of that, but it was a challenge, and, and it really was, um, you know, not having the crowds. Kind of like we talked about a few weeks ago, I think on the Hashtag Miranda show, the, the empty arena novelty had already worn off. They did it too much. I think if we had you know, weeks of programming leading up to it that didn't involve wrestling, then the empty arena WrestleMania might have been a little bit better in that regard. But there's definitely some real success stories, success stories in this that I want to talk about. And I want to kind of dig in to some different elements of the show. And then, uh, and then, like I said, we'll clean up with anything that I may miss that you guys want to talk about. So for starters, I want to go into really the two non-traditional matches that took place at WrestleMania, the two that everybody are talking about. You heard at the top of the show uh, a clip from the Firefly Funhouse match. The song you heard, if you didn't recognize it, at the end of the Royal Rumble countdown was The Undertaker's entrance music, courtesy of Metallica, which means we'll get sued because we used the Metallica song. That's an old <laughs> Greg DeMarco show throwback right there um, from, from the early first two years of the show. But um, we didn't actually get sued, but we always be worried about it. Um, but The Undertaker using that theme song. The Boneyard match for starters between The Undertaker and AJ Styles. Um, critically acclaimed, it seems like, although some people didn't really love it. Uh, Miranda, what did you just, just kind of talk about? Let's just kick it off with you and talk about the Boneyard match. Yeah. I was really excited for both of these matches because of the fact that they were non-traditional. We had already heard a lot of rumors that they were going to be filmed off-site, and this was something that we had just never seen before at a, at a WrestleMania. So that left a, a lot to wonder and to um, to to want to see. Uh, overall, I I really enjoyed this match. I thought it was well done. I thought the production value was great. Um, I felt like I was in a mix of watching a horror movie and a wrestling match. Uh, I even caught myself 
taking myself out of the moment and and you know like when AJ Styles was going up the ladder to uh, the roof of that barn I, I put myself more as a horror movie enthusiast saying why are you running that way just like in horror movies when you know <laughs> the characters run into some random ass place before they get murdered like that was pretty much what AJ Styles was doing before uh he got murdered by Undertaker uh but um all those elements even just the beginning of how AJ Styles came in the hearse and in, in the uh, casket, uh, all those elements. It, it was fun. It was really enjoyable to watch. I thought that Undertaker looked great in this. I mean, this was a match where uh, he had, you know, you had, he had more control over how he looked visually and seeing him in real matches over really the past few years has been almost disheartening because he's lost his aura. He's lost, you know, being the, the dead man. Um, and some of those WrestleMania losses didn't help, but I mean, seeing what happened in Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia, all of that, um, I was really happy that they were able to put this together. And I thought AJ did great. He was fun to watch. He was, he was funny. Um, and I, I just felt like I was watching more of a movie than a wrestling match. And I'm okay with that. I was happy about that. I thought that was, um, really unique and also a great way to end night one of WrestleMania. Patrick, what did you think? I agree with a lot of what Miranda said. I really enjoyed the match. I enjoyed uh, the cinematic element to it all. It felt like watching like, like a lot of folks already said, like watching a a movie uh, and and some of that performance, I did not um, have a problem with it. I think that uh, AJ like I, the Undertaker gave us everything that we've seen kind of throughout the history of his career in terms of you got to see the best of both characters, in my opinion. You got to see the dead man. You got to, uh, speaking of throwbacks, Greg, gay spooky. We got to see some gay spooky uh, with the teleportation. I said the man teleported. The of, Come on now. The man teleported. Yeah. He, he met Hardy teleported yes. to the to the roof of the barn. He set the barn on fire with it and a laser symbol popped up. Like, <laughs> It was it was delightfully produced, it, and I was totally fine with it. Um, I think that AJ was the was a terrific opponent for this kind of match too. Uh, and, and you know, from playing the cocky guy who's going out, I love the swerve with the druids where the druids showed up. Like I totally was like, oh, druids are here to like help out the Undertaker. Nope, they're not, and the, all of that sort of thing. So that was a great time. But AJ at the very end begging not to be buried and you know just like oh i fucked up is is really kind of what aj was playing there right the The only thing i didn't love was the hokey hand out of out of the out of the grave that was the best you had to have the hand you had to it was i get i get that you had to it had to i I, just, I didn't like it. I'm sorry. I get that it is now a meme upon memes. It'll, and it will be there forever uh, in, in lore. I already know that, like, I saw, like, a dozen of them within, like, five minutes of part Not one. Not just ending. that, but there's the first ever Buried Alive match. Of course, The Undertaker shoots the hand out of, of the, the grave. No, I get it. And AJ's not really dead. And so they had to really show that somehow. And, uh. and According to Wikipedia, he is, Greg. So are you calling Wikipedia a liar? Wait, let me go edit Wikipedia real quick and change that since we can all do that. Um, But no, it was – I loved the match. I thought it was fantastic. I think it was probably one of AJ Styles' five best matches in his career. And that's not a knock on AJ Styles. Like this – 
The Undertaker didn't need this, right? The Undertaker is an amazing performer. We all know that. He does great things. The Undertaker is the Undertaker. But AJ Styles is, is you know, a great wrestler. And this gave him the opportunity to be a great performer. And I think it might have, uh, you know, I haven't sat down and made the list recently, right? But it might have put AJ into the top 10 all time, to be honest with you. Like, that's, you know... A couple weeks ago, we talked about Sting versus Ric Flair and did it match make Sting, but it also made Ric Flair. Like, a 20-year veteran of AJ Styles didn't need to be made, but this made AJ Styles in a whole new way and and just did uh, amazing things for for me and just watching it and really just enjoyed every everything about it. Um, I can't believe some people didn't like it. I, I just... I, I just don't get it. Here's the thing, dude. You Those people, honest to God, because you know who those people are. The people who yeah, didn't like this, like the people who shit on this match, because I, I watched, it was fascinating. And I know you all aren't on the on the social media. I love it. People shit on the match just to shit on it. People shit on the show just to shit on yeah, it. Like they, there was nothing objective yeah. as to why they didn't like the match. You know, and even, you know, your favorite, you know, gossip columnist posing as a wrestling reporter. Mr. Meltzer himself, you know, Miranda's favorite subscription service. Favorite. He he was he, he dogged on the match from the second it started. And it was because he like decided it before it started that he wasn't gonna like it. This is such right, good I, shit. Here's the thing. And I don't want to spend too much time. I don't want to spend too much time on these idiots, but sure. I, I've used this phrase before. Patrick's heard it. I I texted it to Miranda when we were talking about the match. People who don't like this match don't know what they're watching. And and they hate when I say that. I get so much hatred when I make when I when I use that phrase, but they don't know what they're watching because they expect to watch pro wrestling. And this isn't pro wrestling. And stop trying to make it pro wrestling. Again, it's like trying to it's watching a baseball game and complaining because it's not a football game. And that's what people are guilty of when they do that. Well, I think it's a valid point in general. As as humans, we just don't a lot of times we don't like what we don't know. Um, almost we, we fear what we don't know. And so when you're watching something like this before, one, I'm pretty sure then a lot of those same people had never fully watched something like, um, you know, is it uh, Final Deletion, Ultimate Deletion? No, Final. Um, oh, they probably watched it and probably loved it. Well, no, I mean, I think I think that probably some of them haven't. Maybe they say they did in order to, you know, bandwagon it up, uh, but maybe they really didn't. Um, and then as they finally watched this, realized that this was not, you know, what they expected. Um, and you, they're so used to the typical structure of a, of a wrestling match that this was just so out of left field for them that, yeah, they didn't know what to, what they were watching. And that's I, I where... I just don't buy that. Sorry, I, you go know, ahead. No, no, no. I, it, I think there's some validity to it. You know, I think that there's people who are open to it and see the parallels of, like I said, to me, it felt like watching almost like a like a B-horror movie, you know, um, where it was a little campy, uh, a little scary, all those things. But I had a parallel to compare it to, whereas some people maybe they didn't. Um, or just the fact that there, some of them could have been real, you know, wrestling traditionalists. And if it's not in a ring, you know, then then it isn't wrestling. So I would I would buy that if there wasn't, you mentioned the final deletion and you mentioned Matt Hardy and the amount of praise that Matt Dude, Hardy got. idiots love that match. Himself. And, and going all nuts over him. And I firmly believe that, and this is purely my belief, that this is very much this idea that because the WWE did it and it's not what 
and it's and it's something that's been done elsewhere. We're we're just gonna hate on it to hate on it, and that, and that's because there's there's no excuse for it. Because you can't even in with the with the um with the boneyard match in particular, that has the structure of a match. There is a yes. goal in mind at the end. It is, as Greg pointed out, it is a buried alive match, and that and it told a story. And that's what you you hear all these old time wrestling purists people talk about being able to tell the story with the work that you're doing, and this not only did it with the production values and with some slick editing because there is some slick editing there. Yeah, it did what people say they want. People talk about wanting something new and different and unique and creative, and then when it happens. And they're bitching about it. And these are the same people that then prop up similar products on other venues. That tells me you're full of shit and that you're hating on something because you hate it. Sorry. I'm only buzzering because we're 30 minutes into the show. We've talked about one match. Sorry. But that's okay. I'm just trying to be mindful. I did want to point out, though, these are the same people who were saying thank you, Cody, when AEW was running from Daly's Place in Jacksonville, but ripping WWE for recording any content during the coronavirus. So this is they were going to hate it no matter what. Speaking of non-traditional matches, but this one took place sort of in a ring, we had the Firefly Funhouse match. Just want to take you guys back about three weeks now on the Hashtag Miranda Show when I told you they were going to do this. And they did it, but you know everyone praises Dave Meltzer for talking about he said they were going to have a different kind of match. I am going to start this one off just because I, um, you know, I, I always watch everything on a delay because I live on the West Coast and, and, and I'm always busy. And so I tend to watch even WrestleMania and I tend to say spoiler free. And this time there were a few spoilers here and there because I feel like my phone was blowing up more than usual because the world's different right now. The world's weird right now. I absolutely loved the Firefly Funhouse match. Like I dug the hell out of it. I thought it was different. I thought it was creative. I thought it had the backdrop of WrestleMania 36, which definitely helps make it a successful endeavor. I don't think you could do it in any other setting, at least for WrestleMania, and with any other character besides Bray Wyatt and The Fiend, and really John Cena. And and they just made the hell out of this thing. I loved every second of it. I've watched it more than once, and I just... There's so many little things in it. it it's, you know... Finally gave us this. This is such good shit. And it just, I mean, I will cherish that match forever. Like, it was just the most amazing. Which is funny, because if I were ranking matches, I would actually rank the Boneyard match above it, because it was more of a match. But this, for me, from a spectacle standpoint, I I just absolutely adored this this match. Miranda, what would you think? Uh, I loved this match, and I will die on this hill. Like, that... From from the moment really seeing John Cena go into the fly, Firefly Funhouse, it all, this is the match that spoke to me. As someone who loves wrestling storytelling, this this was everything. I, I just, I, I adored it. Um, being able to, all the references and meanings behind John Cena's career and, you know, Bray White, really, this this really was a fun house. You go into a fun house with all these mirrors and the distortion of yourself. And Bray Wyatt did a, an amazing job conveying that story through the through the career of John Cena, and I didn't expect it to go that way at all. But as it, the the match progressed, and seeing you know John Cena reliving all of these moments in his career and his history, it was it was beautiful. I I 
I love it. I adore it. I will probably watch it several more times, probably when I feel sad, uh, because I think that this is, it's an interesting direction to take a match, but also I think, though, uh, an interesting thing about this too is that I don't know if I can see Bray Wyatt in a traditional wrestling match again. I, I don't know if he, as the character, the Fiend, is built for traditional matches because the, all the matches that he had been in um, prior and even the, the ways that they tried to make his matches unique, a.k.a. the red light, fell flat. But this was so different. It was so unique. Um, and I think it just helped tell convey, you know, who is Bray Wyatt and also who is the Fiend and how they work together and who this magical, crazy-ass world he lives in. So I, I just... I, I will love it, and anyone can fight me on it. Bray Wyatt, by the way, I think was responsible for the lighting backstage at the Performance Center because it was all red, and it was amazing. We saw yeah. him during Randy Orton versus Edge. If you haven't read my knee-jerk reactions, read Day 2. Very smart comment by me. If I do say so myself, Patrick, what'd you think of the Funhouse match? I know you, you were interested in what I was going to think because you texted me about it, but what did well, you think? Of- yeah, because I wasn't sure if you were watching it live or not, so it was more of those, are you watching this? Um... And again, you know, what's really fascinating about this whole deal to me is that, and I think we'll go into this more. We talk about the show in general, creativity really had to take a forefront um, throughout the entire show and to be able to just take a ball and run with it and do what they did with the Firefly Funhouse match uh, was as that was as much a piece of art as I've ever seen come out of the WWE in terms of a reflection of John Cena's career, his, his perceived fear and shortcomings. You know, we haven't even talked about the, the whole NWO Eric Bischoff moment, which he oh, loved by there. the way. I'm going there. I haven't, yeah, I haven't listened to that. He, he like loved minutes. it. He I'll raved about it. Spoiler alert. We'll, we'll get there. Which didn't surprise me at all. Yeah. Um, to, and, and for, just for anybody who doesn't think that that Vince or the company doesn't get it and isn't willing to let people take risks, like you can't say that and then watch what Bray Wyatt has done and is doing and seeing it culminate in this match. Like there's a pair like the parody of Vince that Greg has played as a soundbite is there. Jo- you know, the NWO is there. Bray Wyatt as the fiend is there. It wasn't even really, I didn't even qualify it as a match. Like we keep calling it a match. Is it, it wasn't really a match. Like sort of like there's a finish, but for the most part, it's not like, it's not a match. And that like of the two cinematic things that got dumped on this one, I expected to get dumped on. Cause Miranda, when you say people don't get it, this is something that a wrestling fan like Joe Bumpkin and, you know, who, who's who's grown up on even just the WWE, this is something they don't see. Yeah. No, this is what we consider a deep cut. You know, you really had to understand and uh, to see why they were referencing it. And like you mentioned, his insecurities, uh, his, his successes, his failures, what could have been. You know, if, if you are... If you don't know that, and if you maybe are just a fan more on a surface level or just kind of a... a a flyby fan it probably didn't make sense he didn't know what the hell you're watching he probably didn't like it but you know for for this is for you know i think deep cut wrestling fans um and almost like a tribute and a love letter to them uh because of the fact that 
you got almost that recognition of things that fans had always thought and wondered about, but never was acknowledged publicly. And it was now put in a quote unquote match for all the world to see and also to kind of be mocked and made fun of. Uh, and a big kudos to John Cena to just like allow all that shit to get out there. I mean, like that's a pretty big to have your whole life and career just put out there kind of to be made fun of. But I also think that a lot of that due to his current status and acting like help, like, I mean, you can't turn away from your past. It's a part of who you are. And uh, I think it was a, it was awesome of him to just throw it, you know, all out there for the, for the world to, to see. Yeah. It's, it, two things came to mind with that. First of all, actually three things, but um, first off, uh, on the WWE website, it does officially list it as the Fiend Bray Wyatt defeating John Cena in a Firefly Funhouse match. There was so. a pin. There was I a mean, pin. Yeah, there was a three count. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, look, like, Paul, Paul Heyman counted three when Rob Van Dam won the WWE Championship from John Cena. So, obviously, different people can, can make the three count. That was the first time I... When, when Bray Wyatt counted three for the Fiend, that was the first time I realized there was never a referee in that match. But, um, <laughs> granted, there also wasn't one in the Boneyard match, and yet we had a finish for that, too. So um, it, it is what it is. But a couple things that, that came to mind, and it's weird that this came to mind, but when Bray Wyatt points out that John Cena finds people's weaknesses and then makes fun of them, that's what The Rock made his whole career on. And immediately I thought The Rock would never do this. Like that's literally the first thing, The Rock would never do this match because The Rock never allows himself to look weak. And even when he comes back, he kind of buries the whole company. Like that's the one time when I would allow people to use the word buried is when the rock comes back. Cause he really does bury everyone. And then he leaves and no one ever gets the, get, gets one up on him. It doesn't matter. Cause the rock and we love the rock and everything he does is great, but that does happen. Um, third point, I wanted to talk about the Eric Bischoff thing and the NWO thing, because I've seen a lot of comments online and the moment it happened, like the moment he got introduced, I got it. And I don't think a lot, even to this point, I still don't think a lot of people get it, why they did that. But it had a very specific reason why they did that. It wasn't just to be fun and different, whatever. It's because for years, everyone wanted John Cena to turn heel. And John Cena even joked and did a heel turn and danced around on his heel and everything during a promo. And that's what Hulk Hogan did. And Cena was always compared to Hulk Hogan. And really the only thing that Hogan, that Cena never did that Hogan did was turn heel. And to me, that's why that whole aspect of the match was in there. And I've seen people go every which way possible on that segment of the match, except that. Like, it's obvious that's why they did it, was because Cena never turned heel. I don't get why it's that hard for people to comprehend. Um, Funhouse match I loved. It, it just just so good. Watch it again. There's so many little things in it. I mean, it really, uh, it, it's, it's, it really was such good shit. This is such good shit. So now we're going to transition again. So, because um, I kind of uh, we're, we're kind of comparing similar elements between night one and night two on accident as we do this. Um, there were four women's matches on this show, but two of them were the ones that really mattered, and that was the Raw Women's Championship match and the NXT Women's Championship match. And for me, it was the tale of two matches, big time. Um, and I want to kind of talk about these two together. So Patrick, uh, actually Miranda, kick things off for us with these. What'd you think about these two matches and, and, and how'd you feel about them? 
I came in to the Raw Women's Championship match, which, match with high expectations. Becky and Shayna Baszler is something I'd been waiting for for quite a while. And even though the buildup to this was kind of on and off for me, I thought that we we're going to have a, a really great match. And overall, it was a solid match. I, I liked it. I liked the way that they started. I liked how it was hard hitting. I liked how, you know, you could tell the intensity between these these two women. Um, you know, the, the spot at the table, like uh, at the announce table, like I, I, I felt it all the way through, but I did not like the finish. And it gave me shades of last year. And it just kind of sank my heart. Not necessarily because Becky won, though I, I think this would have been a great time for Shayna to win and to put the belt off of, of her for a little bit. I just did not like that somewhat roll-up type of pin. Like, it just felt like really random. I did. I felt like you wanted to have a definitive way to win the, end the match. I understand that it's it, it's now it's a way for them to extend and and it just felt really flat and it and it gave me shades of last year and it also then made me feel like you know what what's really the buildup for for Becky at this point like you have two fairly substantial WrestleMania matches and the way that they end just was kind of meh and she still is the man she still has that big persona but I feel like eventually those little details are gonna start to add up and have people somewhat turn against her. Uh, and, and I feel like that fan base is already happening because there was there was a pretty good fan base out there who, who wanted Shayna to win. Um, but I, it was just that ending that just did not sit well with me. Yeah, the ending was... They've done that ending before with Shayna mm-hmm. Baszler. That's how she lost her first match to Ember Moon. And what I really hated was the promo they showed on Raw where Becky Lynch said she did that on purpose. Like, that just... It's Becky to yeah. me won't lo- won't lo- allow herself to look weak either, and that's something that I think is a part of of. I didn't like the Becky Lynch promo at all on Raw, to be honest with you, and and it, it already soured what I was already a little bit sour on the match. We'll talk about in a second. Um, I guess we'll just stick to this match first. Patrick, thoughts on Becky Lynch and Shayna Baszler? Uh, I mean, I was heated about the result because of the way that they had built Shayna Baszler towards this match and and really it to me it was a puzzling way to finish the match I guess if it's if it was one of those things where you wanted to extend it beyond it just felt like in my opinion and I mean I picked Shayna to win it felt like we were building things up for Shayna to be anointed as uh, as the victor um, you have her run roughshod through the women's division you have her trash everybody in the elimination chamber and then you have her kind of lose in a fluky way, which I guess is the, is the point of that type of pin is that you lose in a fluky way so that it's, it quote unquote protects her. I suppose it just didn't, with, it just didn't make sense to me whether that's because it wasn't on my playlist or because I'm tired of Becky too, uh, which I guess is the same thing. And, And the match, like you said, the match was fine. It wasn't, it didn't steal the show on night one. That, that was definitely a different match. Uh, but I, I just, for me, I felt like the wrong person won. Um, yeah, I would agree with you. The wrong person won. Here's the thing that this match, and it was weird. This match went on third, which kind of struck me as, right. as odd. Um, but they do that sometimes and, and, and I'm okay with that. Um, here's the thing that this match reminded me of, and was just an inherent problem with WrestleMania 36 that you can't do anything about Becky Lynch's character. The man character was created by the fans. Like she right. caught on with the fans. She, 
used that, jumped on that train, rode that wave of momentum, and is still riding it today. She doesn't work without the fans. Like, it just doesn't work. Like, she's out there doing her thing, and Empty Arena doesn't work for Becky Lynch whatsoever. I think this is the kind of match that could have benefited from more of a cinematic presentation of some kind just because of uh, the result they wanted, obviously, and then the fact that Becky's character just doesn't work without people in the crowd. And to me, that kind of caused it to fall flat. And I like the in-ring action, especially like Shayna said immediately, as soon as the announcement was made that WrestleMania we held for no fans, Shayna's reaction was good. I don't want you to see me win the match anyway. Like, it's perfect. And, of course, that didn't happen. But when I compare that to the NXT Women's Championship match, which is the, the comp sort of on night one, I mean, this was one of the matches that took allowed me to be in the moment, fans or no fans. And to me, it proved why Charlotte Flair is Charlotte Flair. Why LOL Charlotte wins? Why they're they're yes they're building the legend, but they're building the right legend in my opinion, mm-hmm. and this match proved it. And it also showed that Rhea Ripley is gonna be huge, and Rhea Ripley is gonna be a big deal for a long time in this company because she performed very well in a match with no fans. Um, I'll be honest with you, I know we picked Charlotte to win, Patrick and I did because LOL Charlotte wins. I'm gonna be a hundred percent honest with you. I'm glad Charlotte won the match because watching this match, and, and Rhea Ripley's got it. She's got it all. She's super young. I think she's like 22, 23, 24. I don't know. If Rhea Ripley wins this match and continues to win, people are going to turn on Rhea Ripley. Rhea Ripley's going to become shoved down our throats. And as right. much as I hate that complaint, that complaint would happen. Losing this match was the best thing for Rhea Ripley in the longevity of her career. And I think that she's going to be a big star for a long time because of it. And now they got a story they can tell. It's like Miranda said, she's all about the storyline. Now we've got a story. Stories don't end at WrestleMania anymore, at least not all of them. And this is one of the ones that I don't think is going to end at WrestleMania. But the match itself, I thought, was fantastic. It was a fight. It was a fight, and those women put on a great fight. Um, Charlotte proved why. She's probably already the greatest women's competitor of all time, and, and that's fine. And Rhea proved that she belongs on that stage and just did a phenomenal job and really, really built that match perfectly. I'm glad. Plus, I'm glad Charlotte won because she won the Royal Rumble, and that should translate into something as well. I, I love this match, in fact. Uh, oh, I'm going to save that in the, my next comment for, for the end. Um, but yeah, really dug, really dug this match. Patrick, what do you think about that match? Excuse me. Sorry. Uh, confession, I actually missed it um, because it's during – WrestleMania starts at seven o'clock. Um, and I have a, an eight year old that I go through and put down, um, with bedtime stuff. And so in the midst of doing all that, I caught like the, the tail end and the highlights and didn't have time to go back and watch what I saw looked terrific. Um, I don't think there was ever any question that Rhea Ripley, the potential in in Rhea Ripley and where she's going to go is there. Um, and it's very exciting. I think that it's great that it got to be put on display, even in a losing effort. I think that um, Greg's right. Uh, you know, we we joke about Charlotte wins, but there's a reason Charlotte should win. You're seeing her pedigree. You're seeing that this is the you know one of the few exceptions where the legacy. And actually, I say a few exceptions when you look at what we've raved about so far. Uh, two of them are legacies of of wrestlers you know, whose parentage 
you know, were made their own careers by their own right. You know, even though Bray Wyatt's superseded his dad by, by quite a bit. Um, but Charlotte is making her, her place up there with her dad um, and doing it in her own way. And, and it just makes sense and it works. And so the chase is also a good thing. And I think that, uh, you know, Greg did kind of alluded to it. The chase for Rhea Ripley uh, could be a very exciting and compelling story to tell over the summer months. And so we'll see where it goes. Yeah. Cause Rhea won't just be fight. Won't just be chasing for the title. She'll kind of be fighting on behalf of NXT too, which I think is something that people can, can definitely get behind. Miranda, what'd you think about this one? I, I really enjoyed this match. Um, I liked how the and this was kind of me too because I has I haven't been as uh, detailed in watching Raw and SmackDown um, over the past few weeks, but they did a great job of playing up why Charlotte was targeting um, Rhea's leg. Um, that continued uh, just like that psychology and the the methodology in what she was doing and why to really put the strain and torture on her her leg was something I followed through the entirety of the match. Um, I was a little confused at the end, and this is just a small little thing uh, when Charlotte had the figure eight on uh, Rhea regarding actually her tapping out because you saw that she was more slapping and hitting Charlotte to, to loosen the grip, um, but you didn't quite get the right camera angle on her actually tapping out, at least in from what I saw. So that was a little quirky, but it wasn't like disappointing like with uh with becky and Shayna, it, it made complete sense uh and i re- overall i just really enjoyed this match and i did have patrick's voice in my head as soon as charlotte won saying hello charlotte wins <laughs> like that was the first thing that popped up but not but not in a bad way i mean um what is this like her ninth title like one they're building her up i mean she's gonna hit 16 real real soon uh by so, thursday i think yeah Yes, but she could very very soon. Maybe by, by the end of twenty twenty, she'll she'll get to that title. Um, but also, it really you continue to tell a story, and the money's in the chase. And when um, and even if Rhea is the one who beats Charlotte for that title, you know it's going to be something kind of long and drawn out. But who knows? It could be somebody else that comes in. Um, and does it who I, I'm not even sure, um, especially now that that uh, Bianca Belair is now on Raw, that would have been the only other person I thought that would have been a, a great opponent. And who knows? There was, you know, word on Charlotte was going to go on all shows and defend it. So um, there's still that possibility of that match happening. Um, but I think that her going I think for a while I thought her going back to NXT was a, a maybe a step back in, in her career. But if anything, I mean. She made NXT. She helped made it what it was. And for her to go back, you know, with that crown, with that title, um, and really put everyone on notice, I think is 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 actually really smart and really a, a beautiful way to really continue her legacy. And it, you know, just allows her to move it move around. I think again, you mentioned as as fans, we talk about wanting different things. And if we continue to see her win the Raw or the SmackDown title, fans were going to get bored and they were going to complain. So by adding this element of the NXT championship, that will allow her to have a, a solid run in NXT. And then she can come back to either brand whenever she wants and it will be fresh and it will be great because then hopefully by that time, there'll be some new competitors on either show and um, you know, she'll, she'll be able to have some great matches with them. 
but also with the the women of NXT. Um, and that's just the strength of WWE, and they know it, um, that their women's division is the best in the world. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And Charlotte going back to NXT, and, and I believe the rumor that she'll be on both NXT and Raw. That makes sense with the current structure, although with the shakeup, who knows. But uh, she's a very different Charlotte Flair than when she was in NXT before. And so her to come back now and, and really lift that up could be very, very entertaining. I do want to shift gears and talk about the two world title matches. Braun Strowman beating Goldberg and winning the Universal Championship. And, of course, Drew McIntyre closing the show both nights, or the second night, beating Brock Lesnar and becoming the new world heavyweight champion, Miranda. Just give us your thoughts. I mean, we're, we're pushing midnight now, but give us your thoughts on just kind of the matches in general. And, and, you know, both titles changed hands. I know you didn't think that was going to happen. And where we go? I did not. No, I mean, I'm a fan of both results, was not a fan of either match. And that's just me. I uh, I thought that uh, both ma- I knew both matches were going to be fairly short with Goldberg and Brock Lesnar. Um, but especially the way how quick the Brock Lesnar-Drew McIntyre match was um, really surprised me. And I don't think it did Drew any justice. I mean, you talked about, you know, the importance of winning a Royal Rumble. And yes, you know, he won the title with that. Um, but I don't think that match did him any justice as like a true, you know, competitor. I, I you know, loved uh, BT Sports did uh, or WWE produced a, a really cool vignette um, for BT Sports of Drew McIntyre kind of going back to Scotland and training and all that. And he was just really this beast, like back in his element. And not to say that I expected, you know, a 20 minute banger, but like it it just both were fairly t- just too short for me. I felt very underwhelmed um, and but I'm glad that both titles changed. I think that this is a really good move going forward. Um, having two new champions, I'm especially for Braun. I mean, he was, a, I, I said it last week, always a bridesmaid, never a bride. Uh, and, you know, boy got married. So congratulations to him because I think it is actually really well deserved. Patrick, what do you think of these matches? Uh, I'm surprised that Miranda's surprised at how short the matches were. I'll start with that. <laughs> like, give me a break. Here's the thing. Honestly, I think Drew McIntyre's win is hurt. Greg talked about this before. I think this is one that was hurt with no crowd. Because with no crowd to respond to just the back and forth on the big moves, it, it makes a difference. And, and it does because part of the spectacle of those moves getting hit is the crowd reacting to them. Mm-hmm. And if you could, you know, Lesnar hitting, how many F5s was it? Three? Three or four? I can't, yeah, something like that. Um, And and those three or four Claymore kicks. Like, those are are just big moments, boom, 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 that would have jazzed the crowd up in a different way that when he wins and then holds the belt aloft, even though, you know, it was totally cool. He was the one who thanked, like, the crowd or something. Yeah, he thanked everybody at the very end. Uh, which I thought, well, I thought was a nice touch, like looking into the camera and doing that. Like that, that match needs needs an audience to be that fast. Uh, and you know, and I stand corrected on Braun. I, I thought that you know they still wouldn't be sold on Braun Strowman and give him um, given the belt. I'm glad they did. I like it. Uh, I've been on board of the Broad train for a while. We did a whole show where we talked about how I came around. So I'm. Um, I was I was satisfied with both the results. I wasn't surprised they were short matches. 
I wish that I understand why Lesnar ended the like why they ended the show with Lesnar and Drew, but it that kind of that kind of ending uh, without the pyro and the crowd mm-hmm. and stuff makes it feel a little bit differently. But how do you end it on Firefly Funhouse? No, <laughs> right, <you> know, they, <laughs> ended it. right. they ended it on the right thing. Yeah, they weren't going to end like it. The ending of The Sopranos, where it would yeah. just be like dead air, and people are like, "What right. the okay. hell just oh, happened?" Yeah, just just ended on Titus. Titus. Yeah, just ended on Titus and just fade out, fade out from from Titus. Um, the thing about okay, so Goldberg losing the, the, that match being as short as it was shows you why Goldberg had to lose. Like he just can't. Just, just no way, and 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 right. it's and Braun, and I don't even think Braun's not. I don't think he's a placeholder for Roman either. I think I know they said they wouldn't hold us against Roman. They're going to hold us against Roman, and Roman doesn't need it anyway. I think Braun's going to be champion for a lot longer than people think. I think that I really enjoyed the the match between Drew McIntyre and Brock Lesnar, and I didn't need a crowd. It's one of the ones that I got. I was okay without having a crowd for the match. I think had there been a crowd for this match, it probably would have been twice as long, which means it would have been nine minutes <laughs> instead of four and a half or whatever <laughs> oh, it was. Um, but I thought it, it, it's it's a heavyweight fight, and Brock Lesnar does heavyweight fights, and you go out there, you throw bombs, and usually they don't last that long. And and that's what they do with Brock Lesnar. I really enjoyed that. To me, Drew McIntyre's reign will not be defined by how he wins a title. It's going to be defined by what he does after that. I think we're going to see right. those matches. We're going to see him as a beast. I think we're going to see a lot of things take place moving forward. And and he's gonna and, and he's gonna do uh, do great things with it. I think his his time has come. I think it's going to be absolutely fantastic. Quick side note, Patrick O'Dowd, the show was not about you and whether you liked Braun Strowman. The show was actually just about Braun Strowman. You happened to come around. You're so vain. Just wanted to, to point that out. So, really, because you asked me if I came around on brought out whatever. It's fine. You're I was saying the whole so show. This, co- this coming from the biggest ego on the Western Hemisphere. You're so vain. Johnny idiot face. Okay. Anyway, I do want to talk really quick because we're, we're short on time about the last man standing match. Um, very different. Here's my uh, two takes on the last man standing match because I want to keep them, keep them quick. Number one, normally when people fight backstage in a match, there's people everywhere. And this match, when they fought all over the place and there was nobody, it was just this eerie reminder about why we're doing this and what's going on and why we're at the Performance Center at all. Because there was no one. There, there, there was no matter where they ran, what they did, there was just no one there. And you just never see that. And that was just like this eerie reminder of what's going on. The biggest complaint I've seen about this match online was the length of the match. It was like 37 minutes long. I got to be 100% honest with you. When I watched it, never noticed how long it was. I thought the match was fantastic. I really enjoyed it. I thought they made the best of the situation. Randy Orton is so good and and just gets no credit for how good he is. And, and Edge did a fantastic job. You know, they didn't bleep out the word shit, but they sure did bleep out the word fuck when Randy Orton said it to the referee. Because um, you got to keep that TV-14 rating that WrestleMania had, which no one really talked about. It was TV-14, not TV-PG. But it's a WWE Network. Who knows? Um, but really liked it. Just really liked it. Right guy won. I don't want to spend too much time on it because of where we're at, but thoroughly enjoyed it. Miranda, what'd you think? Uh, I, I liked it as well. It did feel long in some moments, uh, but at the end, when you, you know, here it was 37 minutes. It didn't feel that way. Um, I thought it was 
you know, a really creative use of space, um, even just in the little things that they did, like uh, when they were in that, uh, it wasn't a conference room, but it was that big room where they had uh, the uh, steel fencing uh, up uh, on the ceiling and edge climbing up to that and falling down. It was a short distance, but it was actually really impactful because then you had like your steel table on there too. So the utilization of space was really cool, something I hadn't seen before. Um, and also really like especially edge's facial expressions at the end when he was really thinking about that last move that big concerto that he was going to do uh i know he's been doing some more acting in, in you know over the past few years and i think that that has contributed to his ability to to i mean I, he's always been good in in the way he does promos but I really could get a, a sense of like almost internal conflict with this lat with that last chair shot, and I think it's because of of his uh, growth and acting, um, and combining that now with with the match and his wrestling uh, was awesome. It it definitely felt like a different edge uh, coming into this. So uh, I, I those are the little things that popped out to me uh, during this match. But overall, great. Patrick, yeah, I didn't. I didn't feel the the length of time either. Uh, I didn't really notice that. I think the the one joke that I make as we talked about this was it was a it was a very unique way for the WWE to give its fans a tour of the Performance Center, <laughs> a backstage look at every angle of that yeah. whole building, every uh, poster and, on that <laughs> on right. the walls. And the other thing that I thought was it was funny. It was just a fleeting thing, but you could see the few people that were in production um, as they were heading to the back. Like there was that moment where you got like the gorilla room. Um, with yeah. all with all the agents who were working that were back there. And I was like, oh, there's where the remaining people are. Um, you know, I think that the other the other bit of it um that that I found interesting, and this is more of how some folks reacted to it. I think people are a little oversensitive now to the way things are used um and inferring too much out of a weight room spot. Um and so let it go. No, I'm I'm gonna say it because it was it was just nuts like too many people getting on their self-righteous high horse or recover one there. I don't want to waste time. And uh, I don't I don't care about that. That that was the dumbest thing. I, I know you don't care about it, but I'm going to talk about it. So So moving on. So moving on. Um I just don't want to give those people any any credibility to what they're saying. I'm not giving stupid. them airtime. I'm giving my opinion on it. Yeah, I know. They don't even deserve your opinion is what I'm saying. Oh, uh, whatever. So favorite thing from this WrestleMania yeah, she said better things. Favorite thing, just on that one topic. Fuck off. <laughs> no, whatever. Fuck you. Just fuck you. No, it's cool. Favorite thing from WrestleMania. Can be anything that happened. Doesn't have to be a match, because you know we didn't have all matches on this show. Favorite thing from the show. Miranda. Favorite thing. I mean, honestly, my favorite thing was the Firefly Funhouse. Uh, it was something I'd never seen before. Something I don't think I'd ever thought I would see on... Uh, on WWE programming. It was just uh it was it was stunning. I loved it and it was it was amazing to watch. Patrick, favorite thing? Kevin Owens versus Seth Rollins. Which we didn't even talk about today, but yeah, definitely deserved a lot of praise. I didn't love it as much as some other people did except Seth Rollins robe. I mean that was brilliant. But I just so love the trash talk. Like yes. that, you know, and that's one of the things we, we didn't talk about a lot in most of these matches is that these get the, the workers had to actually like sell the matches for you. Mm-hmm. And part of that was talking shit during the match. 
Yeah, some and, did it well and some did Kevin didn't. Owens is amongst the best at that. Yes, very much so, and I'm glad he won. Favorite thing for me was the Boneyard match. Um, barely edging out the Firefly Funhouse match, but my God, that was the best. So this won't really change for Patrick probably, but it might change for Miranda and I. Favorite match on the show? Actual Ooh, that's match. A, that's a good question. Um, ooh, that's hard for me because... I actually, you know what? I I would say I was a really big fan of the uh, it wasn't a full tag team, but the tag team uh, triple threat ladder match. Um, I know that that dynamic is very different in an empty arena. Um, that is one. I mean, you have lots of spots, and you have uh, you really the the fans are in awe of it. But I thought they did an amazing job um, without fans in there. I mean, the move set was insane as as always and i was a i was a fan of the ending i know there was some people decisive uh divisive about that um but i could imagine how you know uh, uh was timing and luck had to come in to play um in order for that that moment as far as uh john morrison being able to rip those belts off right at that moment but if anyone could have done it it's him um i think some of that stunt work action helped out or something but and also he's just stupid talented um but i i that was a really fun match to watch and i really admired that they put on just a, a killer match with nobody there and I really hope they didn't have to record that ending spot more than once because I would hate for them to take that bump more than once. My favorite match was definitely Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley. Um, just stood out to me and, and worked without the crowd, which is a big big thing for me and, and something that was very important for this show in general and, and was rare for this show in general. Not every match was able to do that, and they were. So hindsight being twenty twenty, we'll let Patrick go first this time. Was this show a good idea? I still don't like that they did it. Um, it it was good and it was enjoyable and they pulled it off. Uh, but and I, and I've talked on multiple shows about that, so I'm not going to go into why. Uh, I do, and I mentioned this before. I think the show was great because we got some wrestling. We got to see this. We got to see WrestleMania. I think that it will age differently than others when we go back and look at it. So for me, hindsight, uh, they did it. It was fine, but I I still don't like that they did it. Miranda? Um, you know, Patrick makes a good point about how this show will age because, as I mentioned in the beginning, there was moments where I forgot this was WrestleMania. Um, and when you're watching WrestleMania, you never forget what you're watching. You know, when you're in, you know, a stadium full of thousands and thousands of people and you have the pyro on the big stage, you don't forget. But I forgot. But I, I think it was my own suspension of disbelief a little bit that allowed me to enjoy the matches. And I don't think we would have ever had the kind of experiences and the experiments that we did have um, with those two uh, matches with the Boneyard match and the Firefly Fun house but also you know just the unique elements of you know what happened in the ring where you had to do a lot more trash talking you had to be um just different with what you were doing because you didn't have the crowd um kind of drowning out in in you know the noise um you were just focusing what was in the ring and so they really had to do their best to tell stories and i thought that that, that came across very very well um in it so yes i enjoyed it um I am glad that they did it, um, but I don't know what it means for the future, and I don't know if they know what, what it means for the future either. 
Yeah, I'm glad they did it too. I, I was behind it from the beginning. To me, they were never not going to do it, and and obviously they had to make a lot of changes. To me, this show kind of goes in like a time capsule for what was going on in the world right now, and WWE I think was always going to be a part of that. And and I'm I'm you know it gave us that diversion. As I wrote in an article that's out last week, I'm okay if wrestling goes away now, and I'm okay if if it temporarily stops. And now that WrestleMania happened, I don't think we got to keep going. I don't think we got to keep recording these shows doing these empty arena things. You got 50 years worth of footage on WWE Network. You could put out some great shows for Fox and the USA Network and NXT over the coming weeks and months and, you know, just just, just let it go for a little bit because I don't think we need to keep seeing empty arena matches and, and all of that. I think there's other ways they can create content for us that people would definitely enjoy. All right, gentlemen, you have three minutes and you better make it good. We got three minutes and we're out of here. The clock is Completely shifting gears towards someone else who insists on running shows right now, and you guys didn't even know this was happening. Dana White and the UFC are going to continue to run fights, and I really want to get your guys' perspective on this because Dana White has secured a building, he says, in the U.S. that he can run fights at for the next two months, and a private island where international fighters can be flown to on private jets because they can't fly into the U.S. to have those fights as well. Um, continue to give in content to ESPN for the UFC. They're going to go forward with UFC 249. Um, they're not stopping. They're not giving up, much like WWE. What do you guys think, Patrick? I mean, I think we all can guess. Yeah, how you I mean, feel like, about it. Do you really need to ask my opinion on this? Like, fuck Dana White. <laughs> Like just that. No, I, right. I just I just think and it's the same thing with continuing to do wrestling. I think you're putting your 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 own company and your athletes in an unnecessary risk. I, I get it. You you can sit there and be like, we're gonna test all day. Good for you. Just takes one. And with how communicable this shit is, it just takes one. And, and it just seems foolhardy and it seems like you're just you're a cash grab. Like it, and that's my opinion. So fuck Dana White. That's that's what I say. Miranda, is he essentially just putting on a Mortal Kombat tournament? Like I, feel I mean, like if that. if they play the thing, what, the, the song, like I'll be happy. To be honest with you, if they have somebody pop up and say finish him at the end of the fights, like I'll be even more happy. And and it'll yes, be great, no. I mean Dana White's a businessman. I mean, like he knows. Too. He literally has no other competition out there right now. So why not, you know, make the investment of, you know, some, you know, undisclosed location in the U.S. and a private island? Because who knows how uh, helpful a private island will be in the future as well. Um, so, you know, maybe a solid ROI on that. I mean, from what I understand of Dana White, this doesn't surprise me at all. You know, I mean, he's looking at this as one to, to continue the UFC. But yeah, I mean, he literally has the entire market open to him. There's no other sporting events that are going to be happening. So um, he can make a lot of money off of this. Um, is that a, a good motivator? No, it's not. Um, but I I'm not surprised by it what whatsoever. Um, and uh, I mean, we had talked about this before too, with, with wrestlers and people in other sports. I mean, if those competitors, if that is something that they're willing to go into, that they are open to it, that they understand the risks behind it, they're adults. They're, 
you know, I mean, they're, they're going to do what they're going to do. And, um, you know, the UFC is going to do what they can to uh, be safe about it. But Patrick is right. It could just only take one person. But they're all consenting adults going into this with their eyes wide open. Um, and that, that's a risk that they're willing to, to take. Um, you know, that's on them. Vince McMahon and Dana White are cut from the same mold. They really are. They are not going to let anything beat them, including this. And that's really what this is about for me. I think this is less about a, a business move for Dana White and, and, and making money than it is to be like, nope, you can't stop me. His whole thing, he when, when they bought the UFC, every state regulating body wanted to shut it down. And he fought against that and won. And then the same, you know, Vince McMahon has fought. He beat the federal government. Like, these guys fight, and they fight things even unnecessarily. And that's what I think they're doing right now. And I, I think that that's what Dana White is doing. And enough people are going to, look, baseball's trying to run next month in the state of Arizona and ship everyone out and put them in. I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, my only concern about the UFC thing is that you got to have medical personnel there. And I don't think we... I don't think we need medical personnel going to a private island to help supervise UFC fights right now. I think we need them for other things. That's my only concern, but money talks and money will allow them to do that. So real quick, head on over to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot, pick up your chair shot t-shirt, powerslam.tv, promo code chair shot, get your free month. Follow Patrick O'Dowd on the Twitter at wrestling realist. It's W-R-E-S-T-L-N-G. R-E-A-L-I-S-T. Follow Miranda Morales on Instagram at the hashtag Miranda. Of course, you can find me at ChairShotGreg. Go to thechairshot.com forward slash Greg DeMarco. Pick up all that stuff. Listen to this show at thechairshot.com. Of course, we've got our partners over at E-Wrestling News and Raja.com as well. Check those out and, and have a lot of fun. I have a quick, inspiring story I want to leave you guys with as we're all cooped up at home and, and dealing with the coronavirus. Everyone deals with this in different ways. And uh, I want to tell you the story about someone close to me. I'm not going to name any names, but it, it's just, you know, people go through things and they deal with things differently. And I watched this person go into kind of quarantine with the best of intentions and it just didn't work out, right? Best of intentions, plans did, did not work. And over the past 48 hours, I've gotten to watch things turn around and this person picked themselves up off the ground and just start kicking ass and taking names and, and doing things they need to do. And I love it. And it's inspiring. And I, I'm not going to, you know, it's their story to tell, not mine, but that's what this is about for me. Like you get one life, whether you're stuck in quarantine, whether you're out there living, no matter what it is, and don't let something that's going to go two, three, four, maybe six months. Who the hell knows? Don't let that stop you. Like, like find stuff to do learn a new skill pick up a new hobby find new ways to do whatever you need to do but watching someone pick themselves up off the ground and turn things around over the past couple of days like that's go out there and do it man whatever it is go out there and do it you don't need this to to to, to keep you down you you know i'm not saying go be like dana white and vince mcmahon and and run shows and do whatever but you know Live your life and make sure that, that you don't let this keep you down and just, you know, continue to go out there, continue to fight the good fight. That's why we give the date at the beginning of every show right now because the world is crazy and we can go back and hear these things. But people are doing good stuff and we want them to keep doing this good stuff. So do you. Just do you. Keep doing it. Do not let this get you down.